This is Des McLean's Streetcast, and this week, folks, I'm going to be out and about talking to comedians about death. Death. Not your usual kind of death, like the dog or your granny. That's quite sad, and we'll cover that one day. But no, comedian's death on stage. That is when you die on your chuki, your worst gigs. The most horrible, cringe-worthy feeling. When you do well at a gig, it's awesome. You're amazing. You're ten feet tall. You own that room. But when you die, there is not a silence in the planet like it. You are the loneliest soul in the world. You want me to tell you about one of my deaths? Of course you do. Why? Because everybody wants to hear about you dying. (sighs) Okay, I was a few months into comedy and I had stormed big clubs. Well, I thought I'd stormed them. You know, I was alright. I thought I was better than I was until I got asked to do a comedy club in Paisley. It was a free comedy club. The thing about a free comedy night is nobody's really invested in it. So, basically... You're just getting in the way of their pint. Yes, they owe you nothing. In the way of their pint. So the compere introduced me and I bounced onto stage. Hey! Started off with all my bankers. The big guns. Nothing. They were staring at me like some cowboy who'd walked into their saloon. Five minutes into a 20 minute set. Silence. I was like one of the MPs standing in the middle of the tune. With a big loudspeaker, everybody walking by, nobody listening. It was horrible. The only giggles were coming from punters just laughing at how bad it was going down. <sighs> then the silence broke to an old guy shouting, Why don't you just turn that up, son? <sighs> and then at the end yet, I went, I've been Des McLean, hey! Nothing, just the compere going, Let's hear it for Des, come on! It's no as easy as it looks. Oh, thanks for that. <sighs> what made it worse was... I had to say the full night and sit at the end of the bar. I was getting a lift off the compere. So he's going to be there at the end of the night. So they're all staring at me. And then I went to the toilet. The topic of conversation. Did you see that guy who was on first? Oh, no. <sighs> then a pensioner had the final nail in my coffin. I kept my head down embarrassed as I went to get paid. And he turned around and went, <laughs> You're still here, son. <laughs> so, this week in a special two-parter, I talked to 10 comedians and they are all going to tell me about their deaths. Thanks, fellow comics. I feel better already. Okay, I'm now joined by Tam Cowan, broadcaster, columnist, restaurant reviewer and comedian. Now, Tam, can you give me an honest review of a memorable death on stage? It was at the St Andrews Bay Hotel. Mm. Now, it was a, I was like the turn almost after a big, heavy kind of union meeting, ACAS or one of these things, or STUC or something. And um, I, what I thought I would do it was, was as a Q&A. And I thought, this is, this is a good way of doing it, I say. So they introduced me, as you've just introduced me, and I thought, right, they've got plenty of room to play with you. And uh, I says, right, you can ask me any question you want. Now, you know you're after a bad start when the first horn went up, 
and a guy said to me, who won the Scottish Cup in 1933, right? And I says, well, wait, it's not a quiz. I'm going to say, you can ask me, and ask me about seeing Jackie Burton in a dressing room or the worst restaurant I've ever reviewed or ever, blah, blah, blah. But that already put the fear of God in me. But then I knew when I was dying, when at one point then, deep into it, I said to the assembled crowd, and I says, right, uh, does anybody have another question? And there was this right wee powdery woman up the back who'd been this member of this union maybe for 1923 and she very gingerly got to her feet and she put her horn up you know and she and a very very wee quiet voice she cupped her hands and I says oh yes you've got a question at the back yes there you go and she says um she spoke very probably she says my question is would you mind terribly if we all went to the bar <laughs> <laughs> and we and we just had to finish it That's there. It. I says, there you go, she's won. I says, Mum, we'll go to the bar and get a drink, and that was that. Could, couldn't he come back after that? Buried by a wee pensioner, buried. Buried. And uh, the good news is now, because you always had a spite against these folk, she thankfully will be buried now herself, <laughs> so I don't really care. How did you feel after it? Did you feel like a tit? Aye, because uh, you did a classic thing. We did, again, this is the Vietnam, uh, Vietnam flashback thing. Because you remember every detail of it. Uh, we went up to the bar in the place, and the guys who knew a wee bit about me, and the guys who'd asked questions about my shows or the paper, or then who I thought were on side, they immediately were the guys I found myself hovering towards in the bar, because the rest of them were the enemy. You know, they had yep. hated it. Uh, and this woman, particularly at the back, who realised that an hour of uh, question and answers and uh, to, directed to a guy that she didn't know uh, about a subject she didn't know about a newspaper that she'd never picked up, a radio show she'd never <laughs> switched on, uh, you know, uh, so I kept well out of her way. And you bounce back okay? I bounce back. <laughs> This is Des McLean Streetcast and this week I'm talking to comedians and they're pouring their heart out to me about their worst deaths. I'm now with the godmother of Scottish comedy, author and stand-up comic Janie Godley. Janie, could you tell me about a memorable dark moment, a death and any kind of gig? Corporate gigs are notoriously death-ridden. They are funerals. They've got funeral, which is an anagram for real fun stamped over it. And um, I did a corporate once in uh, Glen Eagles for this huge big event. And I knew it was all going to go completely I knew it was because, see, the guy who introduced me literally was, it was like a German staring competition to him. So they're going to stare at him. And then there was a wee speaker on before him and they hated him. I'm like, oh no, my ovaries actually hurt. I thought, everybody here just doesn't want any of this. So... I gets up, takes the mic, chats to them, tries to endear myself. And they're all like, no, we hate everything about you and every word that's coming out your mouth. <laughs> Even the staff stopped and joined in and hated me as well. Right? So I tried to talk to a waiter and make a bit of fun. The waiter went, do not include me in your death and walked off. I was like, great, thanks. And then um, all these people just stared and stared. And it was as if they were deliberately... No trying to laugh, because I'm thinking, I'm not that bad a comic. Everybody, it's some, comedy's like throwing so much, something will make somebody yep. laugh somewhere. <laughs> no, they all just sat there, dead, dead, staring, and I was like, this is actually the horriblest feeling in the world. <laughs> you know, just horrible. 
but I mean that's one thing and obviously the worst thing after it is you need to sit in amongst them oh. and they all stare at you as if uh, what are you doing here no we're all men we've all played golf with who was the minister Jack McConnell Jack McConnell today we did all that we're no interested in some fat over friendly cleaner trying to make us laugh we hate everything about you do you agree then that corporate gigs, the money's good because the compensation has to be good for dying on your toe? I, even as I walked into the room, I had do, 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 do. And I thought, oh no, this is a bad feeling. Why is this a bad feeling? I did politics, I did golf, I did comedy, I did sex, I did wanes, I did women, I did makeup, I did f***ing racism, everything. They all just went, nah, you've still not found the subject we like. How long did that horrible feeling... 25 like? minutes. <laughs> And yet you put on that false laugh going, actually, I'm not that bothered, but you're your dad. No, I just walked out and I went, guys, you know what? It's 25 minutes. The money's mine. I think you should have just hired a hooker and a whole lot. You should have just kicked her to death. And that was the only thing that got a laugh. That, that got a laugh. So that was horrible. <laughs> and then I had to stay in the hotel overnight and get up in the morning and have breakfast have with them. seen them all? <laughs> That's happened to me. They're all going, are you still here? <laughs> it's like I've f***ed a lot of strange men and they're still there in the morning. Brilliant. Horrible. Now I'm here with Phil Differ, writer of Only an Excuse, Scotch and Rye, cheered us up on many a hogmanay, director, producer and now a successful stand-up. Phil, it's all going well, but did you ever have any of those little moments where you thought, what am I doing here? Your worst death? My moment came, I hadn't been doing it very long, it was at the, the stand in Edinburgh, if you're going to bomb, bomb in a really good venue, and to be fair, I'd been a bit complacent, I thought, oh, it's only ten minutes, yeah. I'll be fine, I'll no need to, you know, I'll, I'll wing it, you know, and I went on, and I had this routine, which was about, there was, there was a bunch of pensioners in Germany robbing banks, which I thought was hilarious, and I made that mistake. I assumed everybody knew the story, and I said, mm-hmm. "I said, you know, everybody been reading that story." And of course, everybody just <laughs> looked at me. No, so basically, I was slightly disadvantaged, and nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I, I rambled on and rambled on, nothing, nothing, nothing. I could feel the beads of sweat <laughs> running from my oxters down the side, over the folds of fat into my belt, and all that. And this, this, trying to think, what am I going to do to rescue this? And uh, I looked out the window. If you if you're on stage at the stand on a light night, you can look right out soon. You can see the pavement outside, and I could see all these folk going about their business. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, God, I wish I was out there. I just wish I was one oh. of them. When you start comedy, you're usually sitting in the audience looking at the guys up on stage, going, "I wish I was up there." Well, I was standing up there, going, "I wish I was out there." And it was just the longest ten minutes. I think I, I got I managed about five or six. I didn't even wait for that. <laughs> For the light to flash, I avoided starting to tell the audience, you know, that you're wrong, I'm right. You know that you feel as if you should explain yes. it, and then just, oh, thank you very much. You've been amazing, and kind of like walked off with legs, knees, no jelly legs, <laughs> and, and and then you walk in, and of course the comics are all very supportive. I'm like, well done, mate, well done, but I knew it was. Sh- <laughs> but I, I, I don't think you. I don't think you can really call yourself a, a, a true comedian until you've died in your ass like that, and know that feeling of your your sphincter tightening and all the the wonderful sensations that go with it, you know. Well, 
desk first. It was me, I was desk. Oh, sorry. So here we are. I'm joined by Des Clark, radio and TV presenter and award-winning stand-up comic. Now, Desi boy, can I ask you to tell me about your most memorable death? I'd probably say my most memorable death was doing a warm-up gig for TV. It was a show for BBC Two that was live. It was called The Underdog Show. And it was about celebrities training dogs to do tricks. And they got all the big names. Hugh for the fun-loving criminals. <laughs> Hugh for the fun-loving criminals. Clive Anderson and a guy that was in Dragon's Den, but it's no anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we were all backstage. I had to go out and do the warm-up. You know what it's like as a comic. You're sent out 15, 20 minutes, get the crowd going, get them up for it. But the problem was, moments before I was sent to walk out, one of the dog handlers came up and went, Sir, are you doing the warm-up? I think they were an extra for The Great Escape. Sir, are you doing the warm-up? And I said, yeah, that's me, that's my job. Well, just to tell you, if there's any laughter or any applause, I and all the dogs are walking. I went, are you serious? I've got to get the crowd going. The, the crowd will scare the dogs. <laughs> if there is any noise, then I'm walking and the dogs are coming with me. There will be no show. So I walked out and I'm trying to entertain these people. And I can't tell you how difficult it is to know you're dying on stage and only half of the audience is human. But I was out there trying everything, but almost trying to make them no laugh. But it wasn't a, a problem because I commanded the best silence that I think anybody could. I could not have commanded better silence if I'd have walked out with a backpack strapped to me said, look, this is going to go off if you don't <laughs> shut your face. So anyway, it was a horrible, horrible death, and I didn't get any help from any of my fellow performers. Hugh for the fun-loving criminals. This is when I knew it was getting bad. Hugh came up to me from the fun-loving criminals and says, hey, man, you know, I know it's tough out there, but i got a little bit of help for you if you want. i got a couple of dog jokes. And his, his first dog joke was, my dog's got no nose. Why does it smell? I don't know. It's on cocaine. <laughs> and well, I don't think I'll be able to use that. But you're looking at the rest of the celebrities there. People like Clive Anderson, who I've respected, just kind of shaking their head. And I'm thinking, I'm never going to get on any panel show, am I? And that was it. It was for BBC Two. It was meant to be a massive opportunity. And I just died. And let's be honest, through mutual consent, I didn't come back the next week for the next show. <laughs> It's Des McLean Streetcast and this week's two-part special. I have ten comedians. They've very kindly agreed to spill their guts and tell me about their biggest deaths. And I'm now with Patrick Rowling, a big man. He comes from Airdrie, a tough place, and he compares up and down the country. Patrick, have you got a, a wee death on stage you could share with us? Well, Des, funnily enough, um, more than a wee death, I've actually got a memorial built there at the site for me. Um, it was a place called Auchengeek, which for our many thousands of listeners probably realise is a small village at the back end of Moody'sburn in Christon. And um, I get booked to do a gig there. A policeman had seen me do a gig, thought I was good, told his mum and she was a social convener, rang me up and says, could you come and do Auchengeek Miners Club? We agreed the fee. It was like a Darby and Joan Club and I walked in and straight away they all started covering their food. They thought I was there to nick their dinners. I was on stage for five minutes and I was doing my best material and an old guy, a bit like Paddy McCutcheon, came up and pretended to cover the mic and said, son, are you going to start telling us jokes we know or we'll get the bingo on? <laughs> and five minutes later, we're going five and seven, fifth and seven, five and nine, the Brighton line. They just literally came up and took the microphone off me, left me standing on the stage, and they started doing the bingo. 
So I was shell-shocked, and I went and sat down, and the guy came over and went, I, I, I've, I've to pay you, son. So we sat down, and the fee was 300 quid, and he gave me a bundle of notes, and I made a point of counting the notes out three times in front of him, and at that time with a wee sort of tan leather diary, and I opened up and I went, look, I've got a couple of Sunday nights free in November next year, and he says, son, you were pure sh- <laughs> you'll never be back in this club ever again unless you're here as a guest to somebody for a funeral so there you go dead, died and buried in Geek Miners and um, I'll never forget it Do you not think you've earned that money more than if you installed a gig and enjoyed it? Well I, th- I think if it was um, pound per, pay- per pound a pain um, I should have been in double money for a Sunday night but it was horrendous Do you know the good thing about it? There's not a comedian in the world Disney enjoys sitting talking about dying in your bahookie. It's our badge of honour. Yep, well said. Badge of honour. The battle scars. The wounds that will be opened up any time, really. The Grim Reaper is waiting at the side of the stage. Could be tonight, could be next week. So, in the next Streetcast, episode 12 is the second and final part of Desi Does Comedy, where another bunch of honest stand-up comedians will tell us all about their death by comedy. Comedy.